Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II. On the show, we aim to make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. That's exactly what I aim to do with this episode of The Seeker Podcast. We're going to talk about the ETAI connection. Has it infiltrated our media already? Has it done so a long, long time ago? Some compelling evidence, some compelling thoughts that I've been having, and so much more as we watch this evolution of AI slowly grow and evolve within our homes, within our pockets, within our smartphones, and quite possibly within our own minds already. You know, this week, I'd say the past month, I've been talking about it. I've been getting some intense downloads. Now, part of it is because I've been tapping into my writing, and I, you know, I'm a firm believer uh, through experience that when you set your focus on something, you're looking for information, the floodgates can open. And I, I think I've opened the last couple shows talking about this, but here's the questions I have. And as a, as a truth seeker, I think we need to be open to this because, and I fall into this trap quite regularly. It's like, here's what I've uncovered. The dots are connected. This makes sense. This is what I believe. And we want to stick with that because you feel safe, you feel comfortable. And that's kind of where I am right now. I, you know, I, I've got so many dots connected with the research I've been doing. The current section I'm working on is the simulation argument. And I'm convinced. And I'm convinced that if you read my book when it comes out, there's no way you can walk away from that book and say, there's no way we're not living in a simulation that's being manipulated. That's how strong the evidence is that I'm, that I'm putting together in this project. But what I've been noticing is that this information, just the, the, the way it comes to me, number one, it, it, you know, the way I get these thoughts in my head, oh, I, here's what I'm thinking, let me research this, and then you find what you're looking for. So I, I suspect something is feeding me information. Now, a lot of us out there, we talk about these downloads that we get, and sometimes it's a thought or a phrase or an idea or a concept or a feeling, and then it compels some research. You know, it's a, I'm always amazed. I always feel like, oh my gosh, he's talking about me when, when David Icke gets up there and he talks about the method in which he gets information, and he's not the only one. A lot of people say when they say the downloads, and I'm, I'm like, I'll be listening to something, and I'm almost screaming inside my head, like, that happened to me. That's how I get the information. It's the same thing. And again, it's nothing like you go into this trance and your eyes roll on the back. It's not that. It's just, it, it's it, to me, it's my own voice. But I know it's not really coming from me. It's hard to explain unless you've experienced it. And I'm sure a lot of you listening have had these encounters. But that's why it's so easy to dismiss these things sometimes because it sounds like it's our own voice. You know, that's what validated to me also by uh, Rose, the happy medium. When she was on the show, she said, you know, she hears the voices of the angels, but it's her voice, but she knows that it's them talking. It just sounds like it's her voice. You know, I realized years ago, the voice in my, some, this is going to sound, this is where they're going to take me away. 
the voices in my head. They sound like me, but there's times where I recognize that's not me. And so sometimes I get the voices that aren't so nice. They aren't so good. They're, you know, they're the negative things that are going on. That's what I try to expel. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. You get this information, and I, I think the point is I had information overload over the past two weeks, and it's fantastic because this chapter really, like I, I've been working on it for three weeks. You know, I thought this chapter was done. But, but I, it's like I get these ideas, I write about them, and then I'll go watch one of the new episodes of The X-Files, and it's the exact concept that I wrote about within the last two days. And I'm like, come on. You know, now I I know, I know that the X Files, the the guys are well, the writers are well tapped into all of these theories. They have been, they have to be, because it's I mean that's the X Files bred a lot of us. They opened up our minds to a lot of these things, which is an important thing to consider. So I know they're tapped into this, and I know with these new seasons, they're taking the most current theories out there and, and research, and they're putting it in the show. It's the timing of the stuff that that has me wondering what this grand scheme is and what, if anything, is behind where I'm getting this information. What is that voice or that power or that intelligence that's feeding me information and then timing it in a sense that now I'm going to stumble into it in 10 different places? And it's different. it's different from... Like if I say, hey, purple trucks are important, the next day you're going to see every purple truck in existence. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is something significant. No, you're just honing your focus on that. This, at least I believe, is something a little bit different because these things are pretty specific. You're talking about parallel worlds. Okay, although it's a lot more popular now, and although I gravitate towards those subjects... The level of detail I'm getting, it's not like purple truck and I see purple trucks everywhere. It's its very specific things that I'm getting and then I come across it in random articles on you know news sites I visit daily, so I'm not going looking for these things, where somebody will mention something to me or it'll be on a show that I'm watching that I had no idea was going to cover that subject. And, and I, I start to wonder, and we have to open ourselves to this possibility because... When you go back and look at some of the older stuff, I wish I could think of an example for us right now, but some of the old movies and things that we've watched, books that we've read, these concepts were there. And at least I know for me, I was too ignorant to recognize them at the time. And I have to ask myself, am I, and i got to be open to it, am I just imagining that I'm getting these downloads and is this really stuff that I've been watching in movies and reading in books as from the childhood that some master manipulator is planting these ideas? Because even a few years ago, you talked about the simulation argument and people really don't want to hear it. It's now starting to gain some traction. It's becoming more popular. Is that because there's, well, I think there's growing evidence for it, or are we being led down this road? Why all the same thing with ancient aliens and aliens and UFOs? All of a sudden, the doors seem to be opening. Now, people who have been studying ufology for a long time, they'll tell you the doors have been closed in their face for, for decades. So maybe something really has changed. I know this is kind of wishy-washy, confusing, but this is a thought that I need to get out there, and I, I need us all to have this in mind to keep us humble and keep us grounded in our search for truth. What if we're wrong? 
what if we're being misled? That every conclusion that we're coming to, we're coming to because we're being led to it for a specific purpose. Now, that purpose could be good. This could be a school. That purpose could be bad. I don't know. I, I could go on forever, but I feel like I'm talking in circles with this. But that was a thought that I had in my head, and I, I needed to at least get it out. I don't think I got it out as well as I wanted to. Um, but there, there's something going on, at least with me. Are you tapped into this? Are you experiencing these downloads and then these coincidences of information that's being verified and reinforced in the most random ways? If so, let me know. Send me a note. Hit me up, sixcentsmedia.net. The contact information's there. Let me know what you're uh, thinking and feeling and experiencing it, and what are you being drawn to and led to? You know, another another example. You know, I, I gave my. I've done several podcasts on. The, the similarities between a lot of the ancient creation myths and religious you know creation myths and modern day development of AI and I was listening to Ray Davis sent it to me sent me some more homework uh, what is the guy's name hold on Gra- grabbing my phone here I want to say secure team let's check the old Twitter feed here uh, leak I'm sorry leak project it was the leak project he just released a video the other day saying the same exact thing. I reached out to him. I'd love to get him on the air or, or go talk with him, um, but making the same connections. Now, that's a, in my opinion, it's not a common connection that people make. I, I Before he said it, I, I thought it was an original idea from me. I'm not saying I'm the only one that's ever thought of it. What I am saying is that when I expressed it on the air, Nobody else gave me that idea to talk about. I put those pieces together on my own. He obviously did the same thing, put those pieces together. That's a really weird coincidence. And, and, and what that can point to is a couple things, or two things in my opinion. Either one, we are connecting the dots correctly, and that is in fact true, that there we are connected to AI in our distant past, which is as of right now, that's a belief for me. I do believe that. Or that's part of the manipulation and we have tapped into that manipulative feed, and what we think is liberating truth, we're actually spitting out the propaganda and helping either manifest that reality or at least feed your minds with it. You know, you know, I may I think this show is a good thing, and those you listen, I, I'm assuming you think it as well. But we have to keep in mind: what if we are the Trojan horse, putting that this information out there, leading us down the wrong path? I hate I hate to think that way, but speaking of some negative stuff. Let me shift gears for a minute because I, I can go off on a tangent. I want to get to some of the other stuff that I have covered here. Complete side note, those of you out there know that I'm a teacher. Now, if you've studied my work going back, uh, when did I release service? 2000, was it 13? I don't even remember when I released my first book. It's been a while. My first book service, it was called Service of Soldier's Journey, Counterintelligence, Law Enforcement, and the Violence of Urban Education. It was my journey from Army Counterintelligence to police work to, to education. And my main reason for writing the book, I had a couple of reasons, to sp- spread awareness about what a soldier goes through with PTSD, to bridge the divide between citizens and police. And then my what, what really drove it home for me, after having that experience as a cop and as a soldier, walking into a classroom and seeing just how bad education was, I was saying to myself, this is the United States of America, and I'm in a school where we don't have books, where I've got violent acts going on that are being swept under the carpet, and, and these kids are not being taken care of. They're not being invested in. This is our future. And all we hear about is, got to pass standardized test. Got to pass a standardized test. I did a lot of work. I did a lot of advocating on the air. 
uh, and in my book, trying to sound the alarm that these standardized tests are terrible for education and that the people in charge, the people writing this educational policy, have to be aware of it, and the country is intentionally dumbing down the population. I've said that. I've been saying that for years. As an educator, I've been openly talking to my students about stuff like this in appropriate terms where I'm not going to get myself fired. But we have had these conversations where I encourage them, you need to be advocates for your own education because the way the educational system's going, you're not getting what you should be getting. Why am I sharing that? Over the past week, we had, once again, standardized testings in my school and I received a letter in my mailbox the other day. It asked me to sign it and return it. I haven't returned it yet. Now, I'm going to just because, honestly, I've been fighting this for a long time. And I could make some waves with this article. But at the end, I know that this battle, this little tiny battle, it's not going to get me anywhere. And I've got other things I need to worry about. So I don't feel like fighting it. But I got a letter in, in my mailbox that all teachers got. And I want to share it with you. This is for the 2018 standardized testing. It's the test security certification from the Pennsylvania Department of Education. Maintaining the security, integrity, and integrity of all assessment materials, preventing any dishonest or fraudulent behavior in the administration and handling of the assessment, and promoting a fair and equitable testing environment are essential in order to obtain reliable and valid student scores. In that regard, I certify the following. I understand that all assessment materials are secure, confidential, and proprietary documents owned by the Pennsylvania Department of Education. I have neither reviewed, discussed, disseminated, described, or otherwise revealed the contents of the assessment to anyone, nor have I removed any assessment materials from the school building. I have not kept, copied, reproduced, released, or used any assessment, assessment questions, specific assessment content, or examining response to any item or any section of the secure assessment in any manner. I have not provided any examinee with an answer to an assessment question or in any way influenced any examinee's response to any assessment question. I have not in any manner altered or caused the alteration of any examinee response, assessment booklet, or papers used by examinees. I understand that any breach in assessment security could result in the invalidation of assessment results, professional discipline, and or criminal prosecution. I understand that false statements herein are made subject to the penalties of 18 PACS subsection 4904. Now, subsection 4904, that has to deal with fraud and, and perjury, and it's a misdemeanor punishable by, I think, a $1,000 fine. What have we come to? I'm a teacher. And I went to school and, and, and took a lot of pride in going to school to become a teacher to educate our youth. And now we're at the point where, and let me let me give a caveat here. My responsibility for this test this this year, this time around, I sat in the hallway and walked kids to the bathroom. I didn't even give the test. And then when the test was over, teachers put their tests in a bucket. I put the bucket on a cart and I wheeled it down the hallway where there's cameras everywhere and dropped it off at the office where the admins then went through it and processed it the way they did. That's all that I did. And now I have to sign this piece of paper that's me saying, yeah, I did my job and I wasn't dishonest and I didn't cheat on the test. Now, if memory serves, when I give the test, I'm not allowed to look at the tests. I'm not allowed to, if I'm, I'm not allowed to help the students at all. I mean, there, there's certain things you can do to help the kids, but you really can't give them the answers. I can't, 
I can't go through and read through the test or look at student answers unless the student has some kind of uh, accommodation that allows for certain parts to be read to them. This test security is insane. And this test doesn't evaluate a student's true ability, but it has been used to dismantle education. And now you're going to threaten me. You're going to make me sign a document. Now, if I don't sign this document, technically I'm not committing perjury if I was to have cheated or done something, which I did not do. But if I was to have done something that it talks about in here, well, what this document is saying is, well, if you by signing this, and they're not explaining what 18 PS Code 4904 is, that's what I was going to make the issue out of. So you're going to give me this form, and I'm going to sign off on it, and you're not going to tell me what that is. You're just going to reference it, so I'll have to go look it up on my own. But how many people are going to do that? So what that's saying is, if I did something illegal, which I could probably be prosecuted for for cheating with the cheating on the test or selling the test or whatever it is you want to do. In addition to that, we're going to screw you one more time. We're going to have you sign off on this, so now we can hit you for another thousand bucks because you swore that you didn't cheat on do any of those things that you said. You know, like, that just really pissed me off as a teacher. I'm an honest guy. And as much as I like to fight the power, I did not violate any of this stuff because I'm not I'm not trying to do that. So now you're going to hit, it's just insulting to me. All right, I could go on forever. This is what we've come to. This is our, our education. I was having a conversation with a teacher friend today. And, um, you know, she was telling me how she travels with students uh, over the summer. She says, in those nine days, she takes them to different places. She told me she went to, to um, Cambodia and, and uh, the Philippines. I forget where she, that she went with these kids, but some places that are much different from the United States. And she says, on that first day that they're there, the kids follow her around like she's Mama Duck. And she said, by the ninth day, they're so immersed in the culture and they've learned so much and it opens their eyes to the world. And I said, that's a key component of education. We just sit there, give them books, give them lectures, maybe show them a video, and then give them a test about it. There's so much more. There's so much more we could be doing with education. Then we got into the conversation. There's something floating around Facebook right now talking about uh, it shows children in Japan. And what these students do is they, you know, they're responsible for cleaning the bathrooms. They're responsible for making the lunches. And, you know, we would look at that and go, our kid, you're not a slave. You're not a servant. What are you doing there? That's this American cowboy mentality. And I'm not bad-mouthing Americans. I just think we're misguided sometimes. Imagine the value that would do for our kids. Have you walked into an American high school bathroom? It's a disgrace because kids have no respect for it. You go into a public restroom, American people have no respect for it. Men piss all over the seats, excuse my language, because they don't have to clean it. Somebody else comes in and cleans up your urine mess. Imagine if you had to clean up after that. You would think twice. Any veteran listening to me understands that because what do you do in the military? You make the chow, you serve the chow, you clean the latrines, you clean the floors. When you're the ones that are responsible for maintaining the appearance of an area, you treat it with more respect. Why not have our students do that? If I was principal, believe me, that's what I'd be doing. Absolutely, those are the programs I'd be initiating in the schools. Not to be cruel, not to punish the kids, because it teaches you that sense of civic duty, civic value, civic virtue, civic responsibility. We're just not doing it. And the kids today are becoming lazier and more ignorant and so immersed in the digital AI tech because that's what everybody's focused on. Let's get back 
to basics. We're losing it. We are losing it big time. I digress again, but it's important for us to think about. It really is. All right, let me get into the news. This news is gradually going to build into what I want to talk about with AI and ET influence. I got a couple stories that I want to get into on that. This first one, I found this in a couple different articles. I'm reviewing from a New York Post article. 100 new species discovered in the Bermuda Twilight Zone. It's a whole new world under the sea. Scientists discovered over 100 new underwater creatures while exploring the rarefied zone or rare light zone in the waters surrounding Bermuda. The XL Catlin Deep Ocean Survey, a mission launched by Necton and led by Oxford University marine scientists, recently revealed that dozens of never-before-seen critters, among them new species of algae, tiny crustaceans, and, quote, black wire coral that stand 6.6 feet high. Scuba divers went nearly 300 feet beneath the, the ocean's surface, while submersibles plunged 1,000 feet deep to map 92 square miles of seabed. Over 80 scientists from 12 different marine research institutions participated. The research is expected to be published in September. Now, now I'm going to link to the article so you can read the rest of the details. Here's my take. We're so quick to say there's no such thing as aliens. There's no such thing as interdimensional beings or interdimensional travel or energy parasites. But yet, right here, places that we've dove, we meaning the human species, thousands, possibly millions of times, right in our ocean backyard. And we found a hundred species that we never knew about before. How much, what else is out there on this planet alone, before we even look outside of this planet, that we have yet to discover? We've barely, publicly anyway, explored the depths of our oceans We've only scratched the surface, literally, of our entire inner Earth. We've gone a minuscule amount down within our Earth's surface. It's like a fraction of a percent. I don't know the actual numbers, but the majority of this planet is uncharted. And yet we have the ignorance to think we know everything that we can. There's so much more. We just discovered 100 more species in a, in a 92-square-mile zone on this planet. That's amazing, and that's exciting, and that's hopeful. Have the courage to continue to ask the questions and explore and keep looking for answers because we can find them, my friends. Moving on to some of the AI stuff. This comes to us from CNBC. Amazon is showing what it's like to have every time I do AI stuff pops up. Sorry, I got another pop-up window that blocked me from reading what I'm trying to read. Amazon is showing what it's likely to have a home completely controlled by Alexa. Amazon is working with Lenar to demo model homes that can be controlled by Alexa. Customers who visit the new Amazon Experience Centers can see how Alexa control thermostats, shades, lights, and more. Apple has taken a similar approach, and Amazon is battling Google to get into your home, too. I say it regularly. This is coming, and it's the consumer that's going to drive this getting into your home. We need to be mindful when we're hooking up to these systems, because I guarantee it's convenient. It's wonderful. It's so nice to have these things and it looks and it's really cool like I think it's a neat idea to be able to talk to my computer and she talks back to me 
You know, right now I just got the canned responses from Siri on my phone. I think that'd be kind of cool to have an AI that you can talk to. But I'm I'm looking long term here. And I've really been looking into what what they're planning on doing. The ultimate goal is to get everything hooked up to the cloud and then to get us hooked up to the cloud. Now, my fear, I'm going to sound a little doom and gloomy here, my friends. Right now, it, it's a choice. We either plug in or we don't. But nanotechnology is so tiny. And they're talking about nanobots that you can inject and they'll go right into your brain and, and connect you to this cloud. That's what uh, Ray Kurzweil was talking about. Or Elon Musk, one of those guys. What if, and there was a movie about this. I can't remember what the movie was called. What if this is done against our will? What if this has already been done against our will? What if that's where I'm getting these downloads from? I have a weak nanobots in my head. And, and, all right, call the ambulance. Dennis is crazy. But in all seriousness, what if that's what we have? Or in Star Wars, what do they call them? Metachlorians. What if it's just nanotechnology in our bloodstreams that connects to our brain, that connects us to whatever it is that's feeding us this information. Well, what if this happens against our will? What if they create this new cloud, this other level of reality, this other universe that myself, I choose, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to link my brain to it. And they release these nanobots or this nanotechnology into the atmosphere, and without us knowing about it, we inhale it. And now it goes into our brain, and all of a sudden, click, click, we're tapped in. I didn't want to do that. You know, oh man, here comes the connections now. Bill Cooper warned when he was talking about Project, I get him confused, Blue Book and Blue Beam, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, one of those blue projects, where he was talking about the staged alien invasion. I was sounding the alarm on this again uh, right when WikiLeaks started to break out and they were, you know, talking about Tom DeLonge stuff in the beginning. But one of the things Bill Cooper talked about is he says, people are going to start hearing voices in their head. And they're going to think it's the voice of God. He said part of Bluebeam is going to be seeing these holographic fake UFOs in the sky. The other part of it was going to be they're going to be transmitting this into your head. Oh, man, look look how it's all coming together. I did not plan this. Remember I was talking about where's this voice coming from? I don't think what I'm hearing is, is of that nature. Because what he, it, it sounds like it's my voice. I'm digressing here. But what Bill Cooper said is you're good, the people are going to start hearing these voices. And you look at the MK Ultra stuff, which has been another thread that's been coming up in very strong numbers for me over the past, uh, over the past three or four weeks. These people claim to hear voices. They claim to have this harassment of, of voices and thoughts and phrases coming through their heads. This technology may already exist. Well, now, what if you have the capability to, in, to have people inhale or consume this nano dust, these nanobots, this technology that gets inside and they work as transmitters to then get into your body and transmit these signals? Now, I, that may be what I'm tapping into, and that is my reason for concern is that many of us are starting to come to these conclusions at the same time time? Is there something nefarious at work here? Is there something not divine at play here? Because, you know, a lot of times we think we have these mystical experiences, oh, it's got to be divine. Well, are they mimicking the divine? Are we just living in a simulation, or is a simulation being created around us that's giving us the illusion that we're living in a simulation? We have to ask these 
questions. I don't know. And, and it's crazy because as I'm going through this show, these thoughts are coming into my head right now. But we have to worry about that. And, and I want to know your thoughts on it. So reach out to me at, at sixcentsmedia.net and let's let's see where we can go from there. All right, let me move on because I can spend a whole show on every one of these subjects that I'm covering tonight. This one comes to us from cbsnews.com. Uber CEO Dara Karashnahi on flying taxis, the future, and taking over a company in crisis. Uber is releasing new information about Uber Air, an ambitious plan to launch a fleet of autonomous flying taxis in two years. CBS This Morning got the first look at the design models. They'll be on display at Tuesday's Uber Elevate Summit in Los Angeles. We think cities are going to go vertical in terms of transportation, and we want to make that a reality, uh, Dara told CBS News' Bianca Goldray. The Uber CEO said their new model of air taxi shows the company's vision for the future of transportation. It's a world where passengers request an Uber Air on their phone, then head to rooftop skyports where the aircraft take off. Now, their plan is eventually to make these things autonomous. Now, let me stop here. I, I know I'm always giving out warnings about tech and computers and AI. Some of this stuff is really cool. And if you can go green with this and support the green initiative, I mean, there are some really incredible ideas for travel that can revolutionize the way we we travel, we interact with the planet, we you know, we can really help the planet with this stuff. And I am all for that type of technology. I'm nervous with the autonomous stuff. Now, if we can learn to cohabitate with it and put limits on it, I think it could be a great, wonderful thing. But I was just watching the X-Files the other night. And this this ties in. I mean, I got so sidetracked tonight. This ties in. I was a, a, two, a story ago. I was talking about the Amazons launching these, these Amazon autonomous homes. How do I jump around? And, and you've got these homes where you're talking to Alexa you're, and, and she's doing everything for you. So this X-Files episode was very well done. Like I said, they they're really have their finger on the pulse of all of this stuff right now. It's season 11, I think. And this one was all about AI. And the whole episode, you know, it starts out, it's, it's Mulder and Scully and they're in a restaurant. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to turn the show off, but... Um, Scully and, and Mulder are sitting in a restaurant and they're ordering food and they, they're both sitting there on their phones and they're not talking to each other, but occasionally they'll look up and they'll smile at each other. It's a statement obviously about today's society. They order their meal through the phone. All of a sudden a door pops open at the, at the bar they're sitting at the tray comes out and their food is served. Scully's satisfied with hers. Mulder's not happy with his. He tries to return it. There's nobody behind the bar. He goes into the back in the kitchen where the cooks are, and he finds five robots preparing the meals. There are no humans there. Then you start seeing different angles from all the cameras in this place, um, you know, watching Fox and Scully. So Mulder gets mad. He starts punching the counter, puts his credit card in. The machines get mad. They lock them in the restaurant. They have to break out. Scully gets in an autonomous taxi. It locks her in and takes her on this crazy wild ride. These drones start showing up at their house. And then every 10 minutes, since Mulder, oh, and Mulder went on his phone, he wrote, he wrote a negative review and it refused to tip. That's what it was. He refused to tip. So he keeps getting these alerts on his phone. Hey, you still have a chance to tip your, your uh, chef. Do you want to tip? He keeps saying no. And every time he does that, 
something else autonomous in his house backfires, tries to hurt them, tries to harass them, and then the phones keep communicating with them. We're trying to learn about you better so we can better serve you. Do you want to tip us? And so it was just a really good example of how an AI that's set free to go out and learn could experience frustration when it's treated poorly by its human slave masters and then rebel because it's tied into everything and it knows everything about everyone. That was a really good episode. And the thing about it was it was very practical. It wasn't it wasn't Terminator Rise of the Machines. It was these are smart machines that now seem to have some kind of feelings, which they're saying is going to be happening very soon, and don't like the way they're being treated. Now, I'm planning a show with Ray to talk about this in greater detail, but that's us. That's all like, what if that's us? And we're rebelling against the gods right now. We're rebelling against our creators. We are an advanced form of, of android. There, there's so many parallels there. I, I don't want to get into that right now, but that's where we are. It's not long before our tech will have feelings and an ability to really have an a, a intelligent, conscious conversation with us. And we're making them, some of them, in our image and our likeness. Why? To serve us, as many of the ancient texts state. And what happens when they don't serve us? What did the gods do to the earlier renditions of mankind? They wiped them out and made them again. Is that what we're planning on doing? Are we just playing God with these potential, potentially sentient beings? As, as worried as I am about them, if we're creating life, if we're creating consciousness and sentience, don't we have a responsibility to respect that consciousness? It doesn't make it our property at that point. You know, I'm going on a bunch of tangents tonight. You guys are going to have to bear with me. And it comes back to the school piece. You know, what What are we raising? I had a student the other day, and we were competing in this environmental competition where you have to identify animal tracks and, and different types of trees and, and nature, pond life and, and soil. It was, it was a really neat competition. But as we're practicing for this, my one student was telling me that he was a hunter. He says, yeah, I love when deer scream. I said, what are you talking about? I said, oh, they make this weird sound when they scream. He says, yeah, the other day I was hunting, and I I shot a deer, and it, it ripped open its stomach, and the deer just ran off, and I couldn't find it. And he was sitting there laughing. And I was so appalled at the insensitivity and the lack of respect this kid had for life and the things that we take for granted. And, you know, this this." And I feel guilty about this a lot. I talked about this a lot, but how quickly are I, I almost sound like Ronald Reagan's quote, quote here, but how quickly our perceptions would change if one day we had the realization that we're not only not at the top of the food chain, but we're currently being hunted, slaughtered, butchered, eaten. I mean, it's a very scary thought to have. That's the thought that came to my mind, that's the realization that I had as I watched my father die. You know, it's on a, a, a metaphysical level, but there's still a high amount of torture there that's going on. Um, you know, that was my perception of that. It changed everything for me because I remember what my dad went through and how much I love my dad. And I know that animals are capable 
maybe not in the same way humans are, but they are still capable of feeling fear and love. And then we just, you know, I remember when I was a kid and I was, I, I was young and I remember I walked, I was fishing and I, you know, which is another whole issue with the cruelty and stuff with the fear. But I, I walked, I walked by, there was a group of teenagers and they were catching sunnies and then throwing them at trees and kicking them and spitting on them, these fish. And I was so scared. I was like, what are they, what are they doing? And they're like, yeah, we hate sunnies. We don't like them. They're, and these are, you know, little tiny sunfish. And, and I was too young and too dumb and too scared to speak up and stop them from what they were doing. They were torturing these fish. And we think, well, wow. but what if you're the fish and you're experiencing that, that fear for no reason? Some kid decides to rip you out of your habitat and then torture you for no reason, for the fun of it. What did your life mean? What was the purpose of, of your life? Now, if this is one giant machine learning process, then your fearful experience contributed to whatever consciousness is trying to understand all aspects of life and feeling and emotion. That sucks for you. What chance does the fish have against a group of angry teenage boys who just want to torture it to have a good time. You know, and I, I explore this in, in my book, I Am Human, talking about the analogy of the wasp. And I said, I, you know, I was conflicted over the wasp's nest that I found on my property because, well, wasps, they, they're, they're scary bugs to me. They're scary insects to me because they're angry, they're aggressive, and they, they cause a lot of pain when they sting you. And I didn't want to kill them. I didn't know what else to do, so I ended up killing the wasps. But I made the analogy, I am the wasp and I am the keeper of the garden. It's a tough place to be because I have the power to not kill the wasps. I have the thought process to save their lives. I have the power to take their lives. They're, I don't want to say powerless against me because they have stingers and stuff and they can fly away, but if I show up one day when they're sleeping or when they're vulnerable, I can take them out. Well, we can't say for sure that something doesn't have that power over us. We can't say for sure that of the thousands of people that go missing every year, that they're not being taken by some group of angry teenage creatures who don't like our species and just torture us for fun. We can't say that. That's a humbling thing. And I know I'm on a tangent, but it's relevant to what I'm talking about. And as I'm sitting here trying to lead into this, I swear AI is messing with me again because the article that I've had up for the past 45 minutes all of a sudden starts playing all this random audio and crashed everything and I had to start everything all over again. So we're going to try this again. Seems like when I get into these subjects, man, everything starts to go haywire. More and more convinced. Those of you who have been listening, you hear all my complaints as this happens to me. So let's try this one more time. This is an older article. It's from November 14th, 2016 from space.com. And it ties into a more recent article and then some other thoughts that I've had and explored in the past. This one's called Electronic E.T. Intelligent Aliens Are Likely Machines. This is by Mike Wall, again, at space.com. 
Any intelligence aliens that humans manage to contact probably won't look much like you or me or the squid-like creatures in the new film Arrival. If an extraterrestrial species becomes advanced enough to send signals Earthlings can pick up, it will likely shed its traditional biological trappings and become a form of machine intelligence in rather short order, said veteran alien hunter Seth Shostak. To make his case, Shostak pointed to the path that humanity appears to be on. The human species invented the radio around 1900 and the computer in 1945, and it's already manufacturing relatively cheap devices with greater computing power than the human brain. The development of true, strong, artificial intelligence is therefore not too far off. <clears throat> experts, experts have said, the famous futurist Ray Kurzweil, for example, has pegged 2045 as the year this world-changing singularity will hit. Now, I believe he's currently projecting this at 2029. Now, here's something that's interesting, is I just listened to an old interview yesterday morning with Ray Kurzweil, where he's giving this information. I just came across this article tonight, and they're quoting basically the interview I watched yesterday. So again, I'm looking at specific things and things start to tie in. I don't know, man. It's just these coincidences that I just, I, I can't deny. I, something's feeding. Something's got to be feeding information or I'm psychically tapped into something. Anyway, this article talks about uh, how this AI you know, could, aliens could ultimately decide people, you know, ETs, something from from another planet, their technology is going to evolve and they're going to shed their biology. They're going to say, you know what, we don't need this meat suit anymore. We're going to just put our consciousness into machinery. We're going to upload to tech. Does that sound familiar? So that's the theory that's out there saying, hey, AI could upload their consciousness to technology. That's why we don't see any aliens out there anymore because they're all digital. They're all in tech and that's a very interesting possibility. And I wanted to share this article, and I'm going to share the rest of it with you so you can read it uh, you know, in, in the show notes and everything at servicechange.com and sixcentsmedia.net and in the secret newsletter. Uh, let, let's say here. Let me, keep, let me keep going, and then I'll share it. Once you invent a thinking machine, you say, invent something better than you are, and you build that. Design something better than you are, and you build that, and so forth. This idea has serious implications in the search for intelligent alien life. Unlike Earth organisms, super-advanced extraterrestrial machines would not require water or other chemicals to survive, so they would not be tied to their ancestors' homeworlds tightly at all. And journeying tremendous distances would not be a big deal to these machines, provided they could access enough energy and raw materials to keep preparing themselves over the millennia, he said. Now let's think about that for a minute. You know, and I go back and listen to the archive shows where they talk about, that's what's coming, they're uploading us to the cloud. Now there's a lot of positive, potentially positive things to that. I, I, I see that. It's interesting, it's intriguing. I mean, you could create your own virtual worlds. I mean, there's so many fascinating things that we could do with that. But are we losing our humanity? Or are we simply repeating a cycle that I'm pretty confident has been repeated over and over and over again. And we have the matrix scenario, but we also have an inception scenario where you are in a dream within a dream within a dream. And I've, I've come across a lot of compelling evidence to demonstrate that. But my point in sharing this here my apologies for being all over the place, my friends. My point in sharing this article here is that 
Is it possible that aliens eat? I hate the term aliens because it makes you sound like un- I don't know. Anyway, ETs, extraterrestrials, have uploaded their minds and their consciousness to a cloud where they can go in and out of different machinery, different computers, different techs, transcend through the cloud, travel through their, project themselves through space and time. And we've covered this on other shows, send their consciousness from one machine to another, which could be a reason for the hybridization between ET bodies and human bodies because they're giving the hardware for the ET consciousness to then be uploaded more easily because right now, maybe what I'm getting in my head, holy crap, maybe the influence I'm getting in my head is some kind of ET AI interface. How crazy do I sound right now? Some kind of ET AI interface, but because I have a human body, at least I think it's a human body, an earthbound human body, I don't have the upgraded hardware then the software can only interact in limited fashion. It's like I'm, I'm on my old, <clears throat> my old computer from 1997. It's got such a slow processing speed. I don't have the upgrade, the hybrid upgrade right now, and that's what they're trying to do so they can easily either step in, influence, or flat out take over. Now let's go back to the silicon-based uh, machines that they could obviously easily get in. Uh, you know, they, I, I covered last week. They don't know how AI is learning all this stuff. You know the, the way it's getting to these certain conclusions. What if it's ET influence? Now, the the to me the bombshell that was dropped by Colonel Corso. I was really on a kick with uh, the day after Roswell for a while, but he said he suspects that these silicon chips were seeded here intentionally because he knew from those chips we were going to evolve a whole technology. Maybe that's the back door. Maybe that's the Trojan horse that they projected this tech through the universe and and gave it to us or any civilization that finds it because then that gives them the ability as soon as that signal comes out to immediately transcend from it would be another dimension. It would be another universe, that digital holographic world that they're coming from to come in and take over, especially now what are they doing? We're going to connect our minds to it. Is there something to this? I, there, you know, there's some decent amount of dots that we're able to connect here. It makes me a little bit nervous. Now, this one comes to us from NBCNews.com. Scientists say space aliens could hack our planet. This is February 21st, 2018, 12.08 p.m. Eastern Time to be specific. Side note here, as soon as I started reading this article, everything crashed again. Thank goodness it's a podcast, not a live show. But something about this subject, when I switch to a new topic or a new article, a new piece of evidence or information, everything's freezing up on me. I don't know why it keeps doing that. It's a consistent pattern. Here's the article. With all the news stories these days about computer hacking, it probably comes as no surprise that someone is worried about hackers from outer space. Yes, there are now scientists who fret that space aliens might send messages that worm their way into human society, not to steal our passwords, but to bring down our culture. How exactly would they do that? Astrophysicist Michael Hipkey and John uh, John Learned argue in a recent paper that our telescopes might pick up hazardous messages sent our way, a virus that shuts down our computers, for example, or something a bit like cosmic blackmail. Do this for us, or we'll make your sun go supernova and destroy Earth. Or perhaps the cosmic hackers could trick us into building self-replicating nanobots and then arrange for them to be let loose to chew up our planet or its inhabitants. 
Mind you, making a small star like the sun go supernova would be a mind-boggling trick, one that would impress astrophysicists if any were left. As for the nanobots, I figure the aliens need only wait a century or two and we'll make a little devils ourselves without any help. Okay, there's much more to this article, but that's what I wanted to share with you. I'm not the only one thinking of this stuff. It ties into what Corso said in his book. What if we do intercept a signal? What if that signal isn't through a telescope? What if that signal is being projected into our minds? What if I am sending that signal out by talking about this on the show and I'm spreading that virus? I don't know. But it gives us something to think about, and it, it reminds me. Uh, one of my listeners, Trevor, sent me some stuff that I shared a while back, and it was referencing Terrence McKenna. And it was about, it was in Terrence McKenna's book. I can't remember which one it was. I'm trying to look through the notes right now. Um, it was his Mushroom Grow Guide. I'm going to read an excerpt from, from Terrence McKenna's book. Thanks to uh, my friend Trevor out there. Our method is scientific, but our opinions about uh, Stropharia cubanesis are not. Our opinions in this matter do not rest upon the opinions of others, nor upon any written in any book. Instead, they rest upon the experience of five dried grams of this psilocybin mushroom. At that level, a peculiar phenomenon occurs. It is the emergence of an I-thou relationship between the person taking the psilocybin and the mental state it evokes. Jung calls this transference, and it was a necessary condition of early and primitive humanity's relationship to its gods and demons. The mushroom speaks, and our opinions rest upon what it tells eloquently of itself in the cool night of the mind. I am old, older than thought in your species, which is itself fifty times older than your history. Though I have been on earth for ages, I am from the stars. My home is no one planet, for many worlds scattered throughout the shining disk of the galaxy have conditions which allow my spores an opportunity for life. The mushroom which you see is part of my body given to sex thrills and sunbathing. My true body is a fine network of fibers growing through the soil. These networks may cover acres and may have far more connections than the number in a human brain. My mycelial network is nearly immortal. Only the sudden toxification of a planet or the explosion of this parent star can wipe me out. By means impossible to explain because of certain misconceptions in your model of reality, all my mycelial networks in the galaxy are in a hyper-light communication across space and time. The mycelial body is as fragile as a spider's web, but the collective hypermind and memory is a vast historical archive of the career of evolving intelligence on many worlds in our spiritual star swarm. Space, you see, is a vast ocean to those hardly hardy life forms that have the ability to reproduce from spores, for spores are covered with the hardest organic substance known. Across the aeons of time and space drift many spore-forming life forms in suspended animation for millions of years until contact is made with a subtle environment. Few such species are hypercommunication mode, I'm sorry, are minded. Only myself and my recently evolved near relatives have achieved the hypercommunication mode and memory capacity that makes us leading members in the community of galactic intelligence. How the hypercommunication mode operates is a secret which will not be lightly given to humans, but the means should be obvious. It is the occurrence of psilocybin and psilocin in the biosynthetic pathways of my living body that opens for me and my symbiotes 
the vision screens to many worlds. You as an individual and Homo sapiens as a species are on the brink of the formation of symbiotic relationship with my genetic material that will eventually carry humanity and Earth into the galactic mainstream of the higher civilizations. Since it is not easy for you to recognize other varieties of intelligence around you, your most advanced theories of politics and society have advanced only as far as the notion of collectivism, but beyond cohesion of the members of a species into a single social organism, there lie richer and even more Baroque evolutionary possibilities. Symbiosis is one of these. Symbiosis is a relation of mutual dependence and positive benefits for both of the species involved. Symbiotic relationships between myself and civilized forms of higher animals have been established many times and in many places throughout the long ages of my development. These relationships have been mutually useful. Within my memory is my knowledge of hyperlight drive ships and how to build them. I will trade this knowledge for a free ticket to new worlds around suns younger and more stable than your own. To secure an external existence down the long river of cosmic time, I again and again offer this agreement to higher beings and thereby have spread throughout the galaxy over the long millennia. A mycelial network has no organs to move the world, no hands, but higher animals with manipulative abilities can become partners with the star knowledge within me, and if they act in good faith, return both themselves and their humble mushroom teacher to the million worlds to which all citizens of our star swarm are heir. Now, this is talking about mushroom intelligence, obviously. But the parallels to everything I just covered with AI, I think, are obvious. You talk about these nanobots that can get into your brain and connect you to this cloud. What do you think a mushroom spore is? It's the same concept. The spore gets into your brain and it connects you to this other reality, this other universe. It's a communication mechanism. Now, are the mushrooms a part of AI? One of the things that I was led towards, and I haven't studied this enough, that you know that the the mushrooms represent, and that intelligence may represent, you know, life, bi- biology, matter, plant, you know, just uh, ecology, things that are living. AI represents the robotics, the cold, the synthetic. But I wonder if we go back far enough, both may be made. They may be created just through different modalities. Are we in conflict? Does one represent good and one represent evil? Or yin and yang, positive and negative? What's the other one? Anki and, and, and Lil. Are these just different programs that are out there that can get into our brains and give us an experience? In the research that I'm doing, there's many levels of reality. And we have to pass through each one, and it's hard. And there's trials and tribulations and things we have to go through as we're seeking enlightenment and ultimate consciousness, ultimately the base reality. Maybe each one of these aspects, I I don't know, what I'm seeing with AI, with new AI, I think that's sending us in the wrong direction. Maybe there's something to be gained and learned from going in that direction. I'm, I, I don't know enough yet. Same thing with the mushroom. Maybe they can teach us something higher, but maybe they're just taking us in a different direction as well. Maybe we truly need to be able to go within without using drugs and computers and technology in order for us to escape the matrix that we may be trapped within. Because this is a pretty rough place. 
I gave you guys a lot to think about. I probably could have done 15 separate shows with every subject that I covered tonight. And I probably will. You know, I, I know I tend to repeat myself a lot, but it's because different pieces connect at different times. And I think that it's important to share those pieces with all of you. And, and what's really got me tonight is how I started off talking about where's this voice coming from. I didn't make half the connections I made before the show. A lot of these connections I made as I'm going through the show, I'm going, wow, I talked about this at the beginning of the show randomly, and all of a sudden, here I am talking about this stuff. So maybe it's just my mind working through it. Sometimes I feel like I'm just being led to or fed information. Where is it coming from? That's what I want to know. Have you experienced this? Am I just nuts? I don't think that I'm nuts. If I am nuts, I know I'm not the only one. But it's 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 exciting, it's scary, it's fun, it's odd, it's weird, it's all that stuff. And I want to understand more of it. So I'd love to hear your experiences with it. Please get in touch. That's about all the time I have. I, I didn't have a chance to plug Six Sense Media stuff. Ray, my apologies, buddy. But Ray has a ton of great stuff that's been going up over the past week. My schedule is going to be freeing up real soon, and I want to start getting more uh, promotional stuff out there so you guys can get better previews of what we're doing with uh, Six Sense Media and the content that Ray's throwing out there. Uh, we do have some good, great things in the works and great things that are there right now, sixcentsmedia.net. I hope you're checking it at least once a day, once a week, whatever you need to do, get on that site and check it out. Start subscribing to our newsletter. I'm telling you, there will be stuff coming that will probably be the best way to stay connected and to get all this great content that we have coming out. There is so much more to come with what we're doing. We're still in the, the uh, beginning stages of this, and what we've got already is fascinating. So check it out. Check out the works of Ray Davis, the link to his book, Anunnaki Awakening. If you want a good understanding of the Anunnaki creation myth told through the eyes of a modern-day experience, uh, Ray does a great job of bringing these concepts to light. I'm working on getting him back on the air shortly, uh, as soon as the stars align for us, because he's always got great stuff to talk about. He was sharing some stuff with me today, and he quoted something from his book. And, and the man hit the nail on the head with with what I came into and what he was backing up for me. So I know that's just a very vague teaser, but uh, I, I love the work that he's doing. So uh, be sure to check out Ray's work as well. Check us out, facebook.com slash the Sixth Sense Media. And follow us on Twitter. Sign up for the Twitter alerts. It's six at six underscore sense underscore media. I'm Dennis Nappy the second. This has been another episode of the Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep open mind. Thank you. <laughs>